Welcome to Risho Kosekai International of North America. Following is a reading of the book Guide to the Threefold Lotus Sutra by Nikyo Niwano, founder of Risho Kosekai. Part 2 The Lotus Sutra of the Wondrous Dharma. Chapter 2 Skillful Means. This chapter, with Chapter 16, the lifespan of the eternal Tathagata has long been regarded as the heart of the Lotus Sutra. It will be well to bear in mind the question of why this is so, but first we need to examine the plan of the chapter itself. Near the beginning, Shakyamuni concludes the contemplation in which he has been engaged. Before anyone poses a question, he immediately begins to speak addressing the disciple Sariputra. He explains that the wisdom of the Buddhas is most profound, an awakening to the basic one truth of the universe. This basic truth is of such depth that ordinary people cannot understand it, and on this account, by using various ways of teaching within the capacity of their understanding, he has brought salvation to many. But the fact remains that they have not grasped the true meaning at the heart of the teaching. Having said this much, the Buddha suddenly stops, then resumes again addressing Sariputra. The reason no one has grasped the truth is that the perfected truth is such that only among Buddhists can it be comprehended. The statement of this truth, known as the Ten Suchnesses, in briefest form is that everything in our world has its own visible aspect or appearance, its own character or nature, its own entity or embodiment, its own latent energy or potential, and its own working or functioning or function. The total of these four elements becomes a cause or primary cause which in contact with a secondary cause or condition, brings about myriads results or effect, and recompense or reward, that is, continuing effect. And although these nine elements seem different and multiple by appearance, all of them rest upon the universal truth and in true substance are from first to last an ultimate identity. The statement in the sutra is swift and brief, and so we shall return to this point later. A difficult point of doctrine having thus been stated, the entire matter is re-explained in more memorable poetic form, embellished and further developed. The listeners, however, are puzzled at this new turn and do not know what to say. Sariputra guesses the difficulty and begs Shakyamuni to go further and explain what he means by the skillful means of teaching, teaching in ways suitable to the occasion and to the people to be reached. This artful method is announced to be the kernel of the wisdom of the Buddha, and the great worth of skillful means is praised. Still, the listeners are all the more perplexed, while expecting to hear the supreme truth that the Buddha has seen, they are treated to words of praise for the everyday teaching of skillful means, and they are unable to see any connection. Sariputra is not to be put off and is quite demanding as the Buddha three times declines to explain, 
on the grounds that what he has to say can only confuse and is thus better left unsaid. Since, to begin with, the Buddha had of his own accord, with no prompting or questioning, begun to teach, we must suppose that this display of unwillingness had the purpose of creating in his hearers a suitable frame of mind to listen to what was to come. Then realizing in response to Sariputra's pleading that his hearers are ready, the Buddha is about to speak, when, in a body five thousand of the assembly rise and depart. Shakyamuni simply watches, making no effort to stop them, and when they all left, he takes up his sermon again. The continuation, first in prose, then in more memorable verse, can be summarized briefly. The aim and purpose for which the Buddhists have appeared on earth has been from first to last to awaken people to the truth that all men alike partake the Buddha nature. Thus, the object of the teachings of the Buddha is to lead all men alike to the state of Buddhahood. But this does not mean that there are distinctions in the truth. The objective is always the same, although up to now Shakyamuni has turned to various ways of teachings as skillful means in order to achieve the objective. The doctrine that all mankind could become Buddhas had not been stated before, but the time had come to make it clear that whoever followed and practiced the teaching would become a Buddha. This thought, though, is not to be taken to mean that all the earlier doctrine is useless. No matter how much it may appear that teachings adapted to the need were only a temporary means of saving people close at hand, such teachings are part of the process leading to the wisdom of the Buddhas, which is the true object. All the teachings are related to this supreme truth, and all ways are related to this supremely true way. One may look upon someone standing before a pagoda saying a little prayer, or a child's drawing of a Buddha on the ground, as things with no bearings on this, but actually even these are related to this supreme way the way to Buddhahood. One must by no means make light of the possible range of skillful means. We should remember that the skillful means as such is the truth. The subject is developed at length, but in conclusion, Shakyamuni states that whoever in simplicity and purity of heart gives attention to any of the multitude of skillful teachings beginning with the explanation of the law of causation founded upon the supreme truth, that person is treading the way to becoming a Buddha. All will become bodhisattvas, will understand the truth, will rejoice exceedingly, and will become Buddhas. As we study the sutra, the first question that comes up is what, in fact, is meant by becoming a Buddha? To attain Buddhahood as a human being means to be an awakened person, to attain supreme knowledge that sees the real aspect of all things, to achieve perfection of character in which that knowledge is manifest in body and mind, to move in a state of perfect freedom, and to work for the salvation of all people. We are bound to think that it must be almost impossible for ordinary people to attain such Buddhahood so remote it is from ourselves. But as is taught repeatedly after the Sutra of Innumerable Meanings, 
The real aspect of the universe is only a uniform void or emptiness, and all beings is alike in origin. In effect, then, this means that we ourselves are an ultimate substance uniform with the Buddha. And if we are uniform in ultimate substance, then it can only be that even in apparent form, we are still uniform with that ultimate substance. The general destiny of living things is evolution, which we may view as progress towards higher degrees of freedom. Those that are obedient to this destiny and strive toward a higher freedom evolve, while those that are thwarted by circumstances fail and devolve or become extinct. Yet people are different from all other living beings in having a spirit. It is in this spirit that their value lies, for otherwise in flesh and substance they are scarcely different from other animals. So, it is truly human to walk the way of progress in quest of perfect freedom of the spirit. Or we might express it another way by saying that spiritual progress is mankind's noble destiny. The goal of this spiritual progress is nothing other than the state of Buddhas. The ideal state for mankind, then, is the state of the Buddhas that convey supreme wisdom, perfect character, and spiritual freedom and leads to the salvation of all people. For this reason, to aspire to become a Buddha and to practice with the objective of the Buddha state before one is no impossible dream. Nor is it the special action of chosen persons. It is the one way apart from all others that mankind should pursue. All unconsciously, we ourselves may be walking that way. For to study the teachings of the Buddha, to try to be better people, to place our hands together in gratitude before the Buddha, to do any small kindness, to drop a single good word, all are part of the way to Buddhahood. It may be that we may have not noted that such little things are the way to Buddhahood. Having thought of them only as means towards being better people, towards being happy, or towards enjoying a more livable society. But when we learn that the skillful means as such is the truth, our eyes are open to the fact that we are walking in the way of the Buddhas. This is an incomparable joy. One may think of himself as a person of no account. Then, hearing the teachings of the Buddha and seeking to put them into practice, he is likely to think that he is merely on the right road, but that this is nothing much. But to realize that far from being a person of no account, one is a worthy being who will become a Buddha. That one is actually on that grand way to becoming a Buddha, is a thing for rejoicing and pride. At this point, one's natural course is to move quickly ahead, consciously and deliberately. Life takes on meaning, and one may boldly progress towards a new life. This is a great lesson of the chapter on skillful means. Another point of teaching in this chapter is the ten suchnesses, those of form, nature, embodiment, potential, function, cause, condition, effect, reward, and the complete ultimate identity. I touched upon the general sense of this earlier, 
But we must see here that the last, such an ultimate identity, in which root and branch are the same, is the uniform emptiness. When manifest in apparent forms, emptiness assumes various forms. Each form has its nature, embodiment, potential, and function, and with the unfailing operation of the laws of cause and condition, effect and reward follow. There is a great lesson here that we may draw about human life. First, we human beings in our apparent forms have our own personalities, which is to say that each one of us has his own form, nature, embodiment, potential, and function. But since the origin from which all of them derived is a uniform emptiness and is always in a state of flux, it is possible to change our personalities. We are accustomed to think of our personality as something we cannot help, but the lesson here is that this is not the case. Given a certain primary cause or cause, and a secondary cause, a condition, a suitable result or effect, an influence or reward, follow, and since this is true, human nature may be changed. Thus, the heart of the human being has the inner capacity either to rise to the state of a Buddha or to sink into hell. This idea is set forth in one of the commentaries by the Tin Tai Patriarch, Chi I, 538-597, as the 3,000 realms in one mind. A single human mind may become 3,000 worlds. The doctrine of the 3,000 realms in one mind teaches us that we have the infinite possibility of moving both upward and downward. If we resolve firmly to practice the Buddha's teachings, we can go upward without fail. Secondly, this doctrine lets us realize clearly that in all the universe there is no individual existing apart from the whole, and that all things are interconnected like the meshes of a net. Individual salvation alone is not true salvation. Now, though, we may think ourselves beyond change, if we realize that indeed we can change, that we can even become Buddhas, then light may shine upon us and hope may well up in our hearts. With this, we can only set ourselves to the task. And as we set ourselves to the task, if we also are awake to the teachings of the Ten Suchnesses, the way we look upon others changes. Above all, we become able to see the Buddha nature that underlines superficial personalities in all people. With this, our contempt for, and our passive acceptance of, the no-account and unreformable people around us may give rise to a sense of respect for them, because they too have the capacity to become Buddhas. We hear much today of respect for humanity, but unless we mean by that what I have just described, it is not the real article. With a real sense of respect for humanity, when we see people floundering or in distress, a feeling wells up in us of wanting to help them to awaken to their real selves. We are filled with a sense of loving friendship and a desire to work hand in hand along the true human way that is the way to Buddhahood. This is the spirit and mind of the Bodhisattva. 
to awaken this Bodhisattva spirit in anyone, to bring even one more person into the same way, is to raise the level of humanity. I dare say this is the only way to build a truly ideal society. This is what we must see clearly in the teaching of the chapter of skillful means. End of part one, the Sutra of the Wondrous Dharma, chapter two, skillful means. Arkina offers classes on Buddhism, information on meditation, holds online gatherings, and practices chanting. Please visit our website at www.arkina.org for information on upcoming events.